And if you look at all of the research for depression, anxiety, you know, movement exercise is pretty much the best thing they can do from a research perspective. So helping them work with a personal trainer, giving them to move, getting them to do what they need to do is often a really good starting place and can help resolve a lot of those types of issues without some sort of deeper entrenched uh, treatment plan per se. The Fire Within Podcast. You need a sustainable plan, the right mindset, and the knowledge and inspiration to stoke the fire within. Just like the Phoenix, you can burn your old habits, never turn back, and emerge completely anew. There are no shortcuts. Welcome Fire Within community. This is the Fire Within podcast where we talk about all things health, fitness, and nutrition related. I'm your host, Brandon, with my co-host, Joe. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. We got a pretty cool guest today. We have Dr. Mark Funderlich, who is a chiropractic neurologist. We're excited to have him here. So you're here from the New York area, is that right? Yep. So we moved down here in early February, with the baby, and we moved from right outside of New York City. So in New Jersey, technically. Oh, but, over the river there? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So we weren't in New York City during the pandemic, but we spent a decent amount of time traveling back and forth. What kind of chiropractic do you focus on? What's kind of your specialty? So we focus on neurologic conditions. We focus on functional medicine. And then we focus on working with people who are not really sure what's going on with them. So we have the three different, I would say, big pieces that we work with are people with neurologic conditions, people with metabolic conditions and people who are generally unwell and they need help figuring out what's going on and coming up with a solution or plan that will apply to them. Let's get a quick example of each of those three conditions. So what would be an example of neurological? So neurologic conditions are things that we'll see in childhood or as an adult. So you could have an infant who has a birth trauma when they're being born, they can have their neck pulled or they could have a stroke. They could have some sort of malformation and we, really work well with those kids. Then as they start to get a little bit older, children can be diagnosed with ADHD or different developmental disorders like that. We have comprehensive care plans that are all natural, holistic, and chiropractic. And then for adults, people who have brain fog, patients who have something like Parkinson's or early memory loss, and the earlier we get on top of these things, the better. So there's the different pieces from across the lifespan that we can work with. Okay. And then metabolic, what would be some metabolic conditions you would see? We work metabolically with all patients, even if they have a neurologic condition, because something like most patients don't understand that the brain is mostly made up of immune system cells. So we're always doing functional medicine. We're always doing diet, lifestyle, nutrition for our neurologic cases. But my wife mostly focuses on things like Hashimoto's, diabetes, different types of disorders that may not necessarily have a neurologic component to them, but that you figure out or discover through blood work and can work with supplements, diet, lifestyle, nutrition. So like PCOS too? PCOS, yeah. right. Hormones, things like that. Okay. I didn't know she at work too. We should have got her on the show as well. Yeah. She likes to work behind the scenes, do a good job. Yeah. Take care of patients. More of an introvert. More of an introvert for sure. She'd get along with my wife then. Yes. Oh. Oh, that's awesome. And then that third condition, that unknown, what are some unknown, you know, conditions? One of the things on your website that I really liked is you said you treat the patient and not the disease. I'm paraphrasing, sure. meaning sometimes once there's a diagnosis, a doctor would automatically give every single person with that diagnosis the exact same treatment, as opposed to something a little bit more bespoke, sure. um, which I appreciate. 
Because sometimes people are mislabeled, misdiagnosed, and, and if it's a syndrome, there's not exactly one causation. What are some of those types of things that you would see that you would consider in the uncategorized? When patients come in, let's say they are having brain fog, they have fatigue, or they have all these different things. They may be given like an SSRI or something to help their depression. These are all very general symptoms. And while they may be diagnosed with depression or anxiety or whatever it is, that could be being generated from a whole bunch of different things. And so from a holistic perspective, it may be caused by a hormone imbalance. It may be caused by their thyroid. It may be caused by their frontal lobe not working correctly. So it's our job to take them through a comprehensive health solution or intake where we're looking at all of the details in their physical exam, all the details within their history, so we can pinpoint down the system that they're really showing that is dysfunctional and then providing a holistic natural solution for that patient. So anxiety doesn't get a cookie cutter approach. They may need neurologic rehabilitation to help that anxiety get under control. They may need chiropractic adjustments to help get that anxiety under control, or they may need diet lifestyle nutrition solution because it's coming from an autoimmune disease, right? These are all totally different avenues that a patient who's experiencing generalized symptoms really has to go through. There is no one size fits all approach to really any patient. Yeah. If you look at a patient who has memory loss or is in the early stages of cognitive decline, we do something called an Alzheimer link. And so this specific type of blood test looks at different types of chemicals that can be or are known to be associated with memory loss, different types of infections that are known to be associated with memory loss, different types of food sensitivities that are known to be associated with memory loss, and it's all in one test. So we're quantifying and then looking for etiologies within that. So even if a patient is diagnosed with a specific type of neurodegenerative disease, we're looking for the whys and then looking for actionable life steps that they can take in order to help create a change in their family or in their family member. Now, anxiety, as everybody's aware of, is extremely rampant post-COVID. I think it'd be cool to compare and contrast the standard Western approach for treatment versus your treatment. Let's talk a little bit about that. So what would the Western approach be? Somebody comes in, they're diagnosed with some kind of anxiety. You mentioned the SSRI. Is there much else going on with the treatment outside of that? I think it depends on really who you're going to see and how much expertise they have in trying to work with you. So a general practitioner may give out something like an SSRI or a benzodiazepine, just something, some sort of medication in order to try to change brain function in order to get you to calm down. Now, if that practitioner is doing a good job, they may refer you to cognitive behavioral therapy, somebody to talk to, right? There are instances where sometimes your life is exceeding what you can handle. So in New, New Jersey and New York, we worked with a lot of patients who worked with big hedge funds and managed a billion dollar hedge fund, literally. And sometimes the stress just totally outweighs what you can do as a person. And in that case scenario, medication or cognitive behavioral therapy may be an appropriate response. But the first thing we need to do for most people is start to figure out how can we optimize and help your body work better so you can internally handle that stress or anxiety. When you look and you look at what anxiety really is, it's when those deep middle parts of your brain, those really old parts of your brain are working in excess. And yeah. so the newer parts of your brain, your cerebellum, your frontal lobe, they're not coming down and controlling those areas of the brain. So you're getting escapes and you, you can't control 
Now, what our job is to go through and see, do we need to exercise your frontal lobe? Do we need to exercise your cerebellum? How are we going to do those things? And we have objective ways through your eyes and through physical exam to see if you need those things. Now, that's one side. The other side is going to be looking at your diet, lifestyle, nutrition, right? If you have a massive amount of sugar intake, then we may need to bring that down. If you have an underlying condition like Hashimoto's, we may need to remove gluten and rice or grains out of your diet in order to help your immune system stabilize your brain function. And so we just go through and check off each of those pillars. So we're giving you exercise advice. We're giving you neurologic specific rehabilitation advice. We're giving you dietary and lifestyle advice, providing chiropractic adjustments if necessary, all that kind of stuff. Now, as a generality, I think most people don't move enough. And if you look at all of the research for depression, anxiety, movement, exercise is pretty much the best thing they can do from a research perspective. So helping them work with a personal trainer, giving them to move, getting them to do what they need to do is often a really good starting place and can help resolve a lot of those types of issues without some sort of deeper entrenched uh, treatment plan per se. Yeah. Now, I thought it was really interesting. One of the first things you mentioned from a diet perspective with anxiety is too much sugar. Now, is that more of a microbiome concern and an overgrowth of candida and sugar-loving bacteria that maybe inhibits serotonin, or is it more because of spikes and crashes in insulin and how that affects adrenals and things like that? So I think, one, if your sugar levels are too high, then from a blood perspective, then you're going to end up with excitotoxicity. You're going to end up with brain cell death. You're going to end up with inflammation in your brain, just bringing that down and letting your brain function the way it should yeah. is step one. Step two, if you're having reactive hypoglycemia because you're spiking your blood sugar and then you're not eating for a long time and then it's crashing, then you're going to end up with cortisol bursts in order to try to bring up the blood sugar level. So if you're really high and then really low, you're going to naturally have to use stress hormone in order to stabilize, right? The cortisol is going to pull sugar out of your muscles to bring it back up to an appropriate level. So the roller coaster up and down amplifies the stress that you currently experience. Now, I don't think that the candida, I think the candida thing may be a little bit overplayed by a lot of people, but it doesn't help whenever you do have excess pathogens. So that's not a mechanism that we see as much, I think because a lot of practitioners are going down that pathway looking for that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Now, that's an interesting parallel with sugar and anxiety. We're all aware that it can cause obesity and blood sugar issues, but I don't know that many people look at it as a direct correlation with anxiety, and I think that's pretty interesting. Yeah, we, I think something that we've seen a lot, and I think it may be because we mostly see patients who have already gone to multiple other doctors. We end up with the people who aren't responding to the standard care, per se, whether it's chiropractic or medical. And so we see the people who are already trying to do intermittent fasting and these different types of health trends, and it's not right for them. And so when we look at vegetarian diets, when we look at intermittent fasting, when we look at all these different types of health trends, they're generally useful compared to the standard American diet, but they're not useful for everybody. So for me personally, my blood sugar stability is not great because I'd rather not eat than eat. And so for a long time, I just thought fasting was good and I was just going to do it and I was going to do more work and blah, blah, blah. But in reality, my blood sugar is unstable. So I needed to eat more in order to be healthier. So for a lot of patients who are coming in, their brain needs to be stabilized with more 
equally spread out healthy sugar per se, not these huge big bombs of rice and carbohydrates once a day trying to have a precise feeding window. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Now to switch gears a little bit, something I have no knowledge of that you specialize in is hyperbaric treatment. I know that there's some benefit to it. Can you explain what conditions can benefit? First of all, what is it? And then how does it benefit someone? Sure. So hyperbaric oxygen therapy, HBOT, there's a lot of little terms for it. There's a couple different ways patients can do it or experience it. So we have medical doctors like around here, you'll have Duke or UNC and they'll have hyperbaric medical facilities. For those patients, they're doing 100% prescription medical oxygen inside of a chamber that goes up to higher pressures. And when they do that, they're going to push the oxygen past your lungs directly into the bloodstream, and you're almost going to build up that oxygen. And when you come out of the pressure, the oxygen is going to diffuse across your body. So you're bypassing the natural red blood cells that normally carry oxygen around, and then because it's a gas, you're allowing it to diffuse across tissue that you normally wouldn't get the oxygen to. So when we take that case example for something like the brain has a lot of blood vessels, but it also has a lot of microvasculature that's very delicate. So if you have blood sugar spikes or you have a stroke or you have inflammation, those blood vessels are not going to be able to get oxygen to all of the little nooks and crannies of your brain. And over time, that creates a very deleterious effect. And we don't do a very good job of getting medications or supplements or things to your brain. We have an intestinal barrier. We have a blood-brain barrier. We have all these things designed to keep things out of your brain. With the hyperbaric oxygen, as you start to build up that oxygen inside of your bloodstream, you will allow it to diffuse across the brain and start to, once you do it enough, to build the microvasculature back. So it's a really good, easy way to get oxygen to the brain to allow it to stabilize. So if you have brain inflammation, it's really hard to do neurologic exercise, right? When you have patients or people who want to exercise, but they're really inflamed, sometimes they try to exercise, they blow out and they get worse and they, they just can't do it. So it's a really good way for patients with something like, let's say Parkinson's or Alzheimer's or a TBI, where they can't or they're not ready for rehabilitation to get a therapeutic agent to the brain to allow it to start healing while the patient can do something passively. They may not be ready to get on an exercise bike or walk or move their head. They may vomit or get nausea. So for us, we don't do such high pressures like they do at the hospitals. We do a lower pressure because the lower pressure is more in line with what the cerebral metabolism is optimal for. So we don't need to take people up to really high pressures where we have to worry about ear trauma or damage. Because the patient's going to go into a tube basically and we're going to put extra air in the tube while they're breathing in oxygen. Yeah. So when you do that, they're going to go under a pressure that's greater than the surrounding environment. And yeah. that's really the key. Most people will ask us, oh, do can we just breathe an oxygen mask around town? And the answer is no, because if you don't have the pressure, then the oxygen doesn't get forced past the red blood cells. Okay. So it's not going to be able to diffuse into the brain. It's not going to be able to diffuse across their body. If we have a spinal injury or a knee injury, you can't just breathe more oxygen in order to help that go away. In order to get it to those deep nooks and crannies of the body, you've got to be under pressure to allow that to come out. Now, what are some expected changes in a condition? Let's just take Parkinson's, for example. What can they see after consistent use of the hyperbaric chamber? So 
with a comprehensive intake, that's really going to dictate whether or not we want to A, use the chamber, and then B, how much. So with Parkinson and Parkinsonism or different disorders that are associated with that, you have those little plaques that start to build up, right, in the brain. And so the first thing we want to do from a therapeutic physiologic perspective is how do we stop those plaques from continuing to build up at an excessive rate? And then how can we help the brain clear out any if we can and then allow that area to come back online? So if you think about that dopamine producing area in your brainstem, we're almost trying to clean it up. We're trying to get rid of the junk so that way it can work more unimpededly. It can function better. With the hyperbaric oxygen, you're really going to start to amplify and start to save the neurons that are on the edge of dying. Yeah. So if you're going to expect, we're going to make up a number, 100 brain cells to die tomorrow because of these plaques. Once you go in the chamber, you're going to start to save some of those brain cells. Okay. So over time, you're not going to have as rapid of a loss. Yeah. Now, we know that fasting, to to re-enter that chain, we know that fasting helps to clean up a lot of that junk. So what we'll do is we'll put people on fasting diet, we'll stabilize them, get them into a ketogenic diet. Once they start producing ketones, put them in the chamber and the combination of the ketogenic diet and the oxygen will help really accelerate the cleanup of that area. Yeah. So the first thing people may start to notice is if symptoms are getting worse, that may start to slow down. Inevitably, since you're starting to take away that junk, stopping the brain from functioning or producing dopamine optimally in an ideal world, we would love to see some improved function from doing that. And so what we found is that the motor functions seem to improve quicker if there is going to be an improvement than the cognitive functions. So Parkinson's patients often, they end up with the masked face, less emotions, they have trouble moving, they get stuck. And so what we see is we see patients will be able to move better We'll see them not get stuck as often. What we generally don't see, we don't see their tremors resolve, and we don't yeah. see their like face come back to where they have all these emotions. The first thing we generally see from a cognitive perspective is having better thought process, having quicker thought process, not having tons of emotion come back again. So that's a expectation, what we hope. Yeah. So we have them go through something called a UPDRS, which is a Parkinson's scale. So the scale is going to look at how your feet move, how your hands move, how your face moves, and then we're going to give you some sort of physical test, you know, whether it be, can you lift off the ground at all, right? Can you hop forward? How quickly can you get out of a chair? Yeah. And so we like to take a bunch of objective markers like that, and if we start the oxygen therapy and we start to see those things changing and improving, we're going to ride that out until we end up with stability. So let's say that a patient's score goes from a one or from a three to a two. Things are moving, things are changing, and then it plateaus there for two weeks. Now we're going to hit you with the neurologic rehabilitation, which may be physical movement. It may be specific exercises with the personal trainer. It may be virtual reality-based stuff. There's a whole bunch of things that we can do then, and we're tying our cells back to those outcome measures in order to see an objective change in your neurologic function. So it's almost like a primer to increase the effectiveness of other uh, treatments. I think that, I think it works much better that way Yeah. as opposed to a standalone center. Yeah. Even if you just combine it with one thing, whether it's diet, whether it's exercise, you're going to get an amplified result. You're providing 
think about it as a unlimited maximum amount of energy for those brain cells to use. Yeah. As well as clearing out all of the inflammation, it makes for a cleaner highway for the information to transfer and we're saving more roads. The roads aren't degenerating. So yeah. we end up with long-term stability. The views and opinions expressed on this show are not meant to be used as medical advice. Consult your doctor before implementing any health or exercise changes. The Fire Within encourages you to do your own research and aims to spark interest and motivation to a healthier lifestyle. Hey guys, I wanted to take a minute and talk about a really cool brand that started called Levin Life. They make t-shirts, apparel, and all kinds of stuff. And I bought one of the t-shirts, it's super, super comfortable, and I love the positive message. I think it's important to spread some positivity these days. So hear it from the man himself, Brian Wallace, who started this company. Show him some love. Check out his website, loveandlife.shop. Growing up, our traditional family vacation was a beach getaway. As a kid, my favorite part was building sandcastles and jumping in the waves. As an adult, my favorite part is watching my own kids do the same while the waves and sea breeze wash away my stress. These memories are my happy place. Love and Life Apparel and Accessories is designed to take you to your happy place. Whether it's sassy tees for girls night out, beach therapy, or sharing your faith. Anytime you want to escape, Love and Life takes you there one unique shirt at a time. You can be confident that when wearing your Love and Life apparel, you are having a positive influence on yourself and those around you. It's amazing what a shirt can do. Express yourself at loveandlife.shop. That's L-U-V-I-N-L-I-F-E dot shop. Follow Love and Life on Facebook and Instagram to be in the loop on new design releases and inspirational content. Finally, a sustainable approach to meeting your health goals. The Fire Within app, available now on Apple and Android. What you get is an intro to strength training guide, comprehensive exercise library with over 200 exercises, a comprehensive nutrition health transformation course, a six-week meal plan, over 70 recipes, a six-week health redemption strength training course. This is for use with people with equipment and then the same course modified for body weight exercises. You'll also receive a six-week Inferno Abs Core supplemental program. If you download our free app right now, you'll get access to the podcast, exercise and app quick start, recipes, and more. For a $29.99 a month subscription, you'll get the health transformation course, full access to the exercise library, the weighted course, the body weight course, the Inferno abs, recipes, and the podcast. So what are you waiting for? Try it now for free today. Download the Fire Within app. Now, switching gears a little bit, I'm familiar with K-Laser. What kind of laser do you guys offer and what does that do? So we use a low-level laser. It's a non-heating, so it's a cold laser. And we specifically use the 635 or the 405 nanometer wavelength. Now, we go through all of those things very specifically because we know that it's, A, not going to harm the patient. So the first thing about lasers is that you're going to have X amount of watts coming out, right? So you have X amount of energy coming out. We use a 7.5 milliwatt laser. So we're not shooting out so much energy that we end up producing heat 
and we're keeping it in the visible light spectrum. We're not doing infrared or far infrared where the infrared wavelength is going to start to produce heat. So what does the laser do and what would you use it for? So if we look at something like the mitochondria, right? So every cell, the powerhouse of your cell, the thing that produces energy, mitochondria, it has different, we'll call it gatekeepers or limiting factors that slow it down from producing ATP. Now, oxygen is the final electron acceptor. That's going to be the final crank of producing ATP. But there's a gatekeeper before oxygen. And so that gatekeeper is called a Cox enzyme. And when you shine red light, no matter what type of red light it is, whether it's an LED or a laser, that red light is going to dissolve that enzyme, which allows the electron to move more freely and quickly through so you can end up producing more ATP, which is why we like to, A, combine it with the hyperbaric oxygen so, therapy. So let's make it even simpler for those that aren't used to all this terminal. Why do we want more ATP? What's the end goal of increasing ATP? So when a brain cell is unhealthy, one of the first things that happens is it loses its ability to produce energy. And once it doesn't produce enough energy, it dies. So by using the laser, you're able to help it produce more energy, become more stable, and not die. Okay. From a negative perspective, from a positive perspective, if you want that brain cell to recover, you want it to become stronger, you want it to build more mitochondria so it can branch, grow, and connect better. So you're stopping cell death and helping to help build it up stronger. Okay. So would this laser then be focused on the brain or could it be for any injury? Now, so it's working on mitochondrial function, which is a ubiquitous thing. Just the body. Right? Okay. Now, the key with the low-level portion, or the reason it's different when we use it from a medical perspective as opposed to an infrared sauna, something that produces heat, the patients are coming in with inflammatory conditions, right? Their brain is inflamed, their knee is inflamed, and so when you add heat to an already inflamed system, it ends up creating negative results. So a patient with a concussion really shouldn't be going in like an infrared sauna because that's going to heat up yeah. the system and create more cell death. Now, can the laser increase capillarization? The technical answer, is they do say that in the research, but I don't think it does a really good job of that. I okay. think it does a much better job of bringing blood flow to an area. So if your goal was to bring a ton of blood flow to an area, you would be better off using a heating laser, right? Yeah. But we're not focusing on that aspect of it. Because of the inflammation. Because So we're trying to dampen inflammation, provide more energy. Something that is not going to even compare, the oxygen is going to do a way better job of creating some sort of vascularization into tissue because that's literally what the high levels of oxygen do. So I'd rather put somebody in the chamber if that's my goal as yeah. opposed to using the laser. Okay. Now let's take a break and see if Joe's got some questions, clarification. I found it fascinating. What are the primary reasons that people say they come in to see you like for a first visit? Sure. So they either are coming in to look at the therapy, right? So something like hyperbaric oxygen therapy is like a very hot therapy right now. So people will see that on the website or they'll see that and want to come in and use it. And we are not a center that just lets you go in. You have to have a reason to go in. We have to do an exam, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So people will come in for the specific therapies or they're pretty much not getting help elsewhere. Most people who have been to multiple other doctors before they end up coming and seeing me. So we can work with a variety of issues. It's are the patients really ready in order to make those bigger commitments to changes and helping. So people don't really know what's wrong with them or they're just unsatisfied with other medical cares when they end up seeing us. Gotcha. Huh. 
Now, I'm going to shamelessly plug this part. So you have some experience working with Dr. Daniel Amen, and he is world famous kind of celebrity, almost celebrity status brain doctor. And I think one of his biggest contributions is something called brain spec imaging. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how what you do might, first of all, the benefit of what he does and how what you do helps work in tandem with that? Sure. So we're not uh, in any way, shape, or form directly affiliated with right. any of his clinics. We were a referral source in order to help carry out treatment plans and therapies that people needed access to. So when you look at where he's coming from, he's bringing light to the fact that neuropsychiatric conditions are really physical conditions. So if we look back into like the 1980s, there was a divide in medicine where funding as far as research was concerned for things like ADHD, schizophrenia, neuropsychiatric conditions, as we call them today. And that was moved from neurology to psychiatry. And so that's how we ended up with the neuropsychiatric, psychiatric part of all of these brain-based conditions. We don't think of somebody having a knee problem if they're schizophrenic or if they have ADHD. And so that whole brain problem was taken away from neurology and given to psychiatry. Yeah. Now, the downstream consequence of that has been really good quantification scales. We have Vanderbilt ADHD scales and all of these different ways of quantifying these conditions, but we don't really have anything beyond cognitive behavioral therapy. We have talk therapy type things for all of this and specific brain-altering medications, but we don't really have widespread solutions to these problems or ways to help with these problems from a medical industry perspective. And so what he's saying is that these are all brain-based conditions. And so if you can help improve the brain physically, right? Right. Structurally, then you can help improve these neuropsychiatric conditions. And so that falls pretty in line with where we stand as far as chiropractic goes, as far as chiropractic neurology goes, because we've been doing We'll call it physical intervention for nervous system health for a long time. Right. So, for example, just prescribing an SSRI doesn't do any anything to structurally change something. Right. So, that's so that just would gonna, be falling short. Right. That would, in theory, just help you keep more serotonin so that way you may have a alteration in the way that you feel as opposed to looking at how your brain is functioning and how do we help your brain get back on track. And so, he's just been the loudest, most positive voice for those patients saying we have something that we need help with more so than just, I need to talk to somebody. There's something, there's an issue with me that I want help with. And so that has really resonated as time has gone on. And so what he's done is he's taken that specific type of imaging and that type of imaging looks at how oxygen is uptaken to different areas of your brain at a really basic level. And then said, okay, we're seeing that these areas of our brain are not using oxygen, so they're not functioning well, creating a picture of the brain dysfunction. And then because the oxygen uptake is a big part of that, if we're lacking oxygen in an area of our brain, which is akin to saying this area of our brain is not producing energy, it's not functioning well, then the prescription, as far as he was concerned, was then doing the oxygen therapy. Our facility provided that therapy He was in New York. We were in New Jersey. And so for a lot of patients that I ended up seeing, he would refer them to the facility in order to carry out the therapy because they'd be unable to go to New York all the time to do that therapy. And so then I got to work with a lot of children, a lot of people who had a lot of special needs. And 
Yeah. And go from there. Yeah. And I think some of the point of me bringing that up is just to quantify for our listeners the efficacy of what you do, even at the top of the top of this field is provided the data that what you're doing makes a difference, which is huge. And I haven't heard of much of this in our area. And I think it's pretty cool that you're here. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. And so we don't perform those types of brain images right. here. They're, you could do the therapies that those images would, you know, say, hey, maybe this can help. Right. So we, those images don't get covered by insurance, right. no matter who writes the script. And so they end up being like $2,000. If you want to do a pre-post, that ends up being a lot of money. Just Right. But for a lot of patients, they need that they need that validation to be able to show everybody there's something more going on with me than just I don't feel well. Yeah. So what we do have here, though, with things like uh, cardinal point imaging, we can do volumetric brain MRIs. We can get those covered by insurance where if you take a condition like Alzheimer's, yeah. part of the reason that we don't, quote unquote, from a medical community, diagnose Alzheimer's until after death that we need to see volumetric brain loss and all these things that don't really matter to us as function. But with a volumetric-based MRI, now we're able to see and put all those slices from the pictures together yeah. and create a 3D image. And that 3D image can then show a volumetric shrinkage of different areas of the brain, which then implies the health of the brain in those areas. So we can get those covered by insurance. That's a different way to do a hard picture. It's not looking at how much oxygen is uptaking, but it is looking at how much of your brain is still there if you do have something like a neurodegenerative disease. So it can still help. The fact that it's covered by insurance is also great. Absolutely. So I feel like I could do six more episodes with you. We're going to start to wrap this up. My next question to you is who makes a great client referral for you or patient? Who should come see you? I think anybody who, A, is ready to make a change. There's lots of people, we could get referred a ton of people, but if they're not ready to commit to the changes that are needed in order to help them, then they're not ready for our care. You know, we can't make a patient do diet and lifestyle changes. We can't make a patient, we can help them. Really, we're really educating them and helping them understand what they need to do, but the changes are still on them. So we can put them in the chamber, we can do all these things, but if they're not ready to come into the office and they're not ready to change their diet or lifestyle at home, we don't want them to end up having an issue with their time or make them feel like they didn't get what they needed from using us because we're an out-of-pocket service. So patients who are looking for answers and patients who are ready for changes. Okay. And then how could people find you? So they can either just go to the website, which is Oak City Health, or they can message us on Facebook, which is Oak City Health or Dr. Mark Funderlich, whatever is best for them. Perfect. Yeah, we really appreciate you taking some time out of your day and sharing some knowledge with our listeners. I think we'll definitely do a follow-up episode at some point. And so I'd encourage my listeners, especially if you're local to the Triangle area, if you have some metabolic stuff going on, if you've got neurological issues, if there's if you've tried other avenues and you're not seeing much progress, I'd strongly encourage you to go check out Dr. Mark Funderlich, uh, currently in Morrisville. Yeah, as of right now, that's where it'll be. It'll probably be there for at least a year. Yeah. And, and you know how it is here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, thanks so much. Thanks for tuning in, guys. If you found anything on this program useful or helpful, be sure to refer the show to a friend and leave us a five-star review on Apple. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you got a lot of value out of today's episode. If you did, go check us out at firewithinnf.com and sign up for Refuel, a weekly email with recipes, videos, and tips to stoke the fire within. 
Also, you can join the Fire Within community by being added to our Facebook group. And don't forget to follow us on social media.